Welcome, Cap fam and friends of the purple and white, to our second episode of Forward Capital Crusaders. In today's episode, we dive headfirst into the Marzano household and get the latest from Capital Men's Lacrosse and how the challenge of entertaining two-year-old twin boys is going. From turf to tennis, we'll reconnect with class of 2001 men's tennis All-American Doug D. Rosario to reminisce about his success on the court, both as a student at Cap and now as a club pro. It's one thing to be a student athlete, but it's a whole different ball game to be a two-sport student athlete. Pun intended. In today's feature, we talk with not one but two crusaders that chose the two-sport student-athlete life and get their thoughts on the challenges and rewards of suiting up twice a year. And we'll wrap up the show with our senior spotlight. We go back out to the diamond and hit up senior baseballer and Cincinnati native, Bo Otto. Lock it in. We are ready to get moving on the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. And to open up our second edition of Forward Capital Crusaders, we jump right into our coaches and program spotlight. And this time we go to lacrosse. And Dom Marzano, the head coach of the men's lacrosse team at Capital University, is on the other line. And coach, it's certainly not the spring season that we all imagined. But uh, if there was an upside to any of what's happened, it's that you get to spend a lot more time with your twin, almost two-year-old boys. And I got to imagine that there's a completely different type of chaos in the Marzano household right now. Uh, it, with Chaos is the only word that's happening. It's great to be home with them um, in light of everything that's happened. The positive is you get to be home with those little guys. They're two years old. They're wearing me out. I've never been more exhausted. Um, so for now, it's fun to hang out with them, but it is, it is a lot. It is circumstances but you know being able to hang out the little ones every day all day is is kind of a benefit well what is it that you guys are doing right now i mean you have to divide and conquer and try to keep both of them in line ah man you know they wake up at five in the morning if we're lucky and from then it's on so you know they like the movie sing they like secret life of pets so i've watched that what time is it one i've watched that four times today um and outside of that, we just kind of build blocks and and break stuff. Breaking stuff seems to be the norm. <laughs> I think that's just boy dad life mm. in general. But... Is that what it's called? <laughs> is that what it's called? But I mean, they love. Good news is they're getting lacrosse sticks in their hands. I might have a lefty. Um, ground ball battles are getting really intense every day. They they do fight about it, and I encourage a little trash talk as we. <laughs> So it's got to be fun to get to play with them, but it's not all fun in games. What's the dad duty that you're loving and one that you're hating right now? I, the dad duty I love, honestly, is hanging out with them, which is, and just wrecking stuff with them. Like you never knew how fascinating it was to like knock over those big blocks or even the Lego mountains I've been building. Awesome. Favorite dad duty is playing with their toys. The worst is the amount of diaper is coming out of my house. It, uh, I mean, at this point, I would pay a full-time diaper changer. <laughs> well, it, it might have to be a hefty, uh, hefty sum there for a salary, but uh, we'll put that on the job posting list. Yeah, that, that's the worst one yet. So that, that isn't going to go away. Tough one. I know you're not allowed to do much outside of the house, uh, and especially here in Ohio. But what is there to do now from a coaching perspective, even if you're not in season? So with, with right now, it's, you know, what we're going to start doing is now that we've let, let it settle in a little bit, the situation and 
letting our student, letting my capital lacrosse guys, letting them get acclimated to uh, the online learning. Right now, it's about checking up with them. Like, we're going to do a Zoom meeting with the guys next week, and we're going to start getting them connected more. Um, right now, it's just about making sure the guys are okay. And that's been focusing on whether it's grades, shooting with tags, how you doing, um, how you hanging in there with online learning and the situation. So right now, it's just getting in touch with our guys and getting them through this school year with any help that we can and trying to act as normal as possible with the Zoom sessions. But uh, outside of LaCroix, areas of the program are still functioning which is staying together they still all play they all have this clash of clans game they love to play it's like incredibly nerdy thing for them to do but they do it um and they've been connecting that way um so we're just trying to to keep the aspects of the program that are off the field going as, as the best that we can and you talk about the guys, an incredibly special group of guys. Um, when you look back on what you've accomplished over the last three years, especially with this senior class, what stands out the most? This senior, this senior class, man, they uh, stand out the most. I mean, there's several things. But I would say one thing with them, if I had to sum it up, that group is just leadership. I think that the, those group of 10 guys are outstanding leaders. We had captains with CJ and Luke and Carter, but with the other guys not being part of this program, we've done no success. Um, all 10 of those guys were guys that I got here in year one with me. My first year was their first year, so that, that was special. And to get through with four years of those guys, they're just a special group. They really are. I just think the world of them, they're a great group of men. They've, they've put a culture into capital lacrosse that, you know, as a coach, you'd want it to get to that level. In that point, you have ideas of how to get there, and it takes this group of guys to get it there. And they've surpassed anything I could have imagined for for what what our program achieved, and in the way that, and, and I'm talking off the field, just the the positive reception they have from people on campus, them supporting other teams and athletes, their off season lifting, them hanging out, staying out. Thing that they brought to the table has been really special. And I'm, I love those guys, and I'll never forget that group. Yeah, we, we definitely hear and see a lot of them at all of the other athletic events when they're not playing. They're definitely uh, some of our loudest and most crazy support. We appreciate that out of that group. And it's a pretty big group, it's, too. I mean, that's a 10-person senior class. And, I mean, across all sports, that's one of the largest classes that we've had in a really long time. So, first, what does that mean to keep a group of guys that large together from beginning to end? It's – it's well, it's – uh. It's gi- it's gigantic for your program. For for one, the on the field play is outstanding with ten seniors. The practices is something people don't always see. The practice level, the intensity, the accountability that they hold everybody at. It's just the 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 freshmen and the sophomores see these guys and the way they handle their business, and it's just an incredible thing to watch. And having ten of those guys, like every position had a senior, really important. So like that they got to look at these and help them and lead them. And those young guys got to look up to them. So I think that with having that many seniors, it just helps the future. And I think that's where great programs get to is having a large senior class like this that have done everything right in four years and have won and have changed the culture. Those kind of guys, you know, you have 10 of them and and it helps the future and the legacy that left behind for the young guys. This is head coach of the men's lacrosse program at Capital University, Dom Marzano, as we about hit the halfway point here in our coach and program spotlight. Coach, I know that 
uh, at the beginning of the year, especially, uh, there was uh, a big concern about injuries. They had a big influence on the start of your 2020 season. But some of those players that were hurt will be expecting back next year. So who are some of those guys that maybe we didn't get to see too much of because of the injury bug that broke out uh, that will be coming back? So, you know, younger guys, yeah. So we did have an unfortunate start to 2020, and we were just starting to heal up too before everything had to stop. But uh, a couple of the guys that we were seeing, like Nick Ware, is, was a, he'll be a senior defender next year. He tore his ACL in the fall. So we were out with him. So we're going to see a lot of big minutes from him. Um, Dylan Comella was, was off to the best start of his career, junior defensive midfielder. Um, he was playing outstanding and he hurt his shoulder in our scrimmage. We lost him for the year. So we're going to see a lot of him next year. And then two guys that were playing that were freshmen, Nathan Montgomery and Evan Frond were getting full-time minutes. And then they both got hurt for a couple games. Um, so those four guys are guys we missed that were in the lineup or would have been in the lineup that we will get back next year. So those four guys will help out a lot. And that's who we missed from injury this year. And Evan, might I say, has one of the better flows in the team between him and uh, Jonathan Gaglione. Those guys had uh, two, that, that was some, that was some good. Catch they had a lot of it, a lot of flow with those, those, those big boys. They're both like six foot two, six, three with flow. Absolutely. So what is going on on the recruiting trail? You know, how's that class of 2024 shaping up? What, what can you tell us about uh, what we got coming in next season? So, so we far? have, so we have 10 players coming in at this moment. You know, you lose, you graduate 10, replace 10. Um, we have a couple of kids just with the situation going on with recruiting. It was wild. So like financial aid packages are, you know, are still coming out and we found a couple of late kids. And usually every year we pick up one or two athletes that we, we may have missed or that has come on strong their senior year and that's, you know, just a really athletic kid. Um, well, we do that during this springtime. <laughs> so that's kind of tough right now to find the extra guys. Uh, but with the 10 guys we're, we're, we have coming in next year, I'm really happy with them. They're from all positions, great kids, got to know this grade extremely well. A um, bunch of good group of guys, really good grades coming in um, with these 10 guys that are strong. And I, I'm excited about a few of them, but unfortunately I haven't had to keep – until we have to, until we get in the fall, I'm secretive. I'm secretive, Gasser. Um, <laughs> I'm secretive. If we do this again in August, uh, I'll, I will tell you. Um, <laughs> oh, we got all summer to check back in. Oh, good. Well, you check back in. But no, right now we got ten. We'll probably get three or four more. Um, obviously, two. You want one or two transfers every now and then. So you know, a great is twelve to fourteen guys. Um, typically, we we get a little bit more than that. But at this point, we got ten guys. We're really happy with the ten that we have. We're really happy with the guys returning, so I think it's going to be it's going to be tough to miss those seniors. They did so much for us, and we love those guys. Wish it was different, um, but I know the program's in good hands with the ten we got coming in and all the guys we have returning. Talking a little bit more on the three thousand foot look, you know, lacrosse as a sport has been growing at an absolutely crazy pace over the last decade. Do you think that that growth? was slowed down by this virus and, and really regardless, how much more can this sport grow? Yeah. So I do think that with this pandemic, everything is going to be slowed down. I mean, life and just everything has just been put on pause as it should be. And yeah, naturally I think it'll hurt the growth for a year, just this year, just this one spring. Cause you have no new addition. So yeah, I think every sports growth hurts just because there's no season being played, which means if you're a first time player, you got to wait a year. And, and so, yeah, I think it has a little bit of a negative approach on growth numbers go on every sport. 
Now, as far as where lacrosse, lacrosse can peak, I'm not sure. I think it's just every year. So when I was in high school, I graduated 2002 from Davidson, even college, like for us to watch like as much lacrosse as you could, it was Memorial Day weekend. They would have the, they would have the final four, Division One, and then the Division One, two II, and three championship on ESPN. So you'd watch all the games on one weekend. I mean, now you turn it on in February on ESPNU on a Saturday. What do you see? You see lacrosse, and I think that's awesome. And then with the PLL, the professional league having NBC Sports, Teleview, um, television, and then, like, their exposure that they had to the sport last year. I just think that's starting to get a little bit more mainstream with the PLL and the way they're handling it, so it's more noticeable. It's more in your face everywhere. But as far as – it's still going to be a regional thing, though, Gasser, in all honesty, it's lacrosse. It still is not going to spread like you have the, the the big four, but it's going to continue to spread, and it will get much, much bigger. I mean, we've seen growth in Ohio. When I was playing, it was 42 teams, and now there's like 150. So, you know, the growth is there. The college is spouting up. You know, there was conference, <laughs> you know, in 2012. So just look at the growth of the college level, the numbers on the high school level, and the pro level. It's inevitable lacrosse will be growing. How big it can get, I'm not positive. I, I don't even know where to begin with that, but I know it's it's at the I think it's at the beginning what we're gonna see with it nationwide. And I think that's a really exciting time. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's a ceiling that can be put on it right now. And I think that our guys, Connor, Ryan, and Spencer Town getting a chance to go out and see the box lacrosse festival that was out there in California that they do annually was probably an eye opener for them to see all the little mites and, you know, the, the kitties as young as seven or eight years old strapping it up and, you know, uh, just how it's grown to the collegiate box lacrosse uh, ranks. And so I don't think that there's a, a ceiling that can be put on it at this point in time. So uh, we hope it continues yeah. to grow despite the virus. But, um, you know, w- even with that, I, we, we do hit the pause button. And so I know that your days are very uh, saturated with family time right now. But are you getting to do anything on your own personal bucket list that you want? Like to my done? own hobbies? Oh, those, yeah. those went away. Does I don't have any. <laughs> that like, yeah, that went away when what, you became a dad. Yeah, even at that, like I was texting some other coaches. <laughs> Lacrosse ended. I was like, you know, not everybody can have their job be their their hobby. So when when you know lacrosse canceled, that's also my hobby. I was like, huh, I think I needed to do something else. Um, but I don't know what that is yet. So no, I don't have any hobbies. I mowed the lawn. I think that's like the most dead thing I've ever said. I enjoyed mowing my lawn yesterday. I enjoyed it. <laughs> so that maybe, yep. maybe it's changing a little bit for me. But just for my wife's sake and the sanity of my house, I'm going to make outdoors work my hobby. It's my new hobby starting right now. There you go. That I'm sure she will appreciate that as well. So, and I mean, you, you know, everybody's talking about the things that they're binge watching on Netflix or Hulu or Prime or whatever that might be. I mean, I know that your days are probably filled with Sesame Street and mm-hmm. you know, Teletubbies or whatever the boys are watching. But do you get to watch it? We do when they go to bed, right if now? they go to bed. Um, we we do. We watch that uh, tag, Tiger Man, Tiger King. The tig- What's it called? Oh. Joe Exotic. Yeah, that the documentary of Joe Exotic. <laughs> That's what we watched. <laughs> and it was awesome. Uh, I Every bit of it. So, yeah, I've spent time. It may have taken us since the beginning of this quarantine to stay at home order. So it's taken us some time. <laughs> but, yeah, I was extremely fascinated with that and and uh, uh, just uh, really enjoyed watching it. I'm, I wish there was more of it. And then, obviously, me and my wife are going to start something like, 
I mean, which is really good because Jersey Shore is back. So Jersey Shore family vacations back. So we've been watching that a lot. Uh, but we're going to try to start Ozark season three. We started it a while ago. So we're going to dip into Ozark, hopefully. All right. Now, it, let's just pretend that you were to pick a second job that is not lacrosse. Uh, what would that new dream job be? Not lacrosse. My new dream job would be a a professional cornhole player. <laughs> <laughs> Is that to say that you're pretty good? So we listen, sign you up I may or may not have spent too many time on the boards in college. And it's like riding a bike. Uh, if I throw a couple bags now, I'm pretty confident that, especially the guys that on my ago they wanted to play they played me and coach real after a uh one of our scrimmages and we just dismantled every person that walked up to us on our team so every now and then i throw the bags i would love to do it and i saw it like this summer on espn that's insane right, yeah so yeah i would like to get famous for being a uh, professional cornhole player because as i as i said all right my job is my hobby my other hobby back in like, if I can make that hobby my job, I think I would really benefit from that. Well, we will be watching for you on the Ocho one. Day. Just if I can get that Johnsonville brought sponsorship, I would be really happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might take care of this next question, but I'll open it up anyway. You know, what's the one thing that people don't know about Don Marzano that you can't I played a lot of cornhole back in the day. So I think I've shared that. <laughs> Um, I don't have any other thing. I'm pretty open book. There's nothing else. Uh, I mean, I guess another fun fact, I do watch, I love reality television. I love it. Okay. Uh, hence your love for the new, or for the return of Jersey Shore. Yeah, Shorts, like that kind of, not like Bachelor in those classy ones, like the really, the really trashy ones, as people call them. The trash reality of television series really are my thing. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, you you have fun with all of that. I will. You, I'm, <laughs> all. I'm not even sure where to go with that. So that sounds like a great ending. All right. We wrap up our time here on the coaches and program spotlight. How we got into trashy reality TV. I'm not certain, but I'll fault myself for that one. So, uh, but guys, this has been head coach of the men's lacrosse program at Capital University, Don Marzano. If you want to check out what's going on in his chaotic household with two twin uh, two-year-olds go to his twitter account at dom underscore marzano you'll see at least one new video every day and those are highly <laughs> and if not that then go to the twitter page at cap men's lax to check up on your crusaders coach thanks for joining us stay safe and uh try to survive what uh, chaos your boys are providing uh, we'll do i appreciate it gas good talk man all, All right. right, this has been head coach Don Marzano. Thanks for joining us, and we're moving along here in Forward Capital Crusaders. Welcome back, and we're continuing our coverage here on Episode 2 of Forward Capital Crusaders, and I am joined with our next alumni spotlight guest, and that is Doug DiRosario, a Capital men's tennis player who had incredible success back in the early 2000s and Doug has joined us today and so Doug uh, first and foremost how are you doing with our our new normal that we've been served up so to say well um thanks for having me Ryan appreciate it and 
happy to be here. Um, right now, just living in Lewis Center and trying to keep the normalcy, I would say. Um, have a wife and a two, a four-year-old, and so they're constantly um, uh, needing engagement, which I'm really just taking advantage of this time. Um, talking to my wife and thinking, when will we ever have this opportunity um, again to just be able to level on the kids and be there pretty much 24 seven um, physically. Um, my wife's a hairstylist. Um, so she uh, obviously is not working and myself being a, a tennis instructor as well. So just trying to have the right perspective um, and just roll with it. So um, and obviously um, uh, keeping our distance from people, but just trying to enjoy the ride. You know, we just got off the horn with a, another coach that's a, a father of twin boys, and that, that physical distancing doesn't exactly exist when you're a dad, mm -hmm. does it? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it depends if people have like the typical nine to five job, or um, as far as a tennis instructor goes, sometimes I end up working until about like six or seven. Um, so it's like for us to all be able to spend time eating dinner together, to waking up together, to blowing bubbles, to whatever it may be. Um, I know it can be uh, definitely a hardship financially or um, just as a nation, but um, I think we're definitely going to look back and be like, man, these were some great times, kind of some uh, happy times throughout the storm, I would say. So, yes, to be here physically is definitely a blessing. Well, I know that Coach Marzano, you know, you can hear him in the background that he's got two twin boys about two years old. And so his his version was chaos. It sounds pretty <laughs> calm over in your household. So it must be going well. It's called organized chaos. So. <laughs> Um, so they're on the front lawn playing and one's taking a nap. So we take advantage of those times and, uh, and do, do interviews like this during that pocket of time that I can use. So there you, there you go. Now and we're going to take you back in the time machine here, Doug, mm -hmm. and, you know, just talk about, you know, where you came from and, and why you chose cash. Sure. Um, so I'm currently 41. Um, but when I was about, uh, 15, um, I started actually cleaning toilets at a tennis club, Wicker Tree Tennis Club in Columbus, Ohio. And um, started playing tennis there and absolutely loved it and just kind of worked my way up. And then as I was getting um, time to think about colleges, um, one of the coaches there, his name was uh, Scott Welsh, um, and he ended up being my personal coach um, throughout high school. And he ended up taking the job at Capital. And um, in essence, he's like, hey, would you be interested in coming to Capital to try to start a new tradition? Um, I don't think they were really strong at the time. Um, and he was there for a couple of years. And then I'm like, it was a no brainer for me. So uh, for me to be able to still live at home, um, still play and, and work at Wicker Tree and then go to college at Capital, it was a no brainer for me. So I know it's probably not the most typical um, response. I know a lot of people, it's like they got to do their SATs and ACTs and you got all your college visits, but mine was a little bit more um, not traditional. And it was just um, to be able to play tennis there um, and get a good education and um, still be close to, to home. So you're a Columbus native through and through then, right? Yes, went to high school at the Sales High School, um, had four great years there, um, and then Capital. And so, yeah, I've pretty much been in, in the Columbus and Lewis Center area my whole life. Now, when you were at Capital and the years that you played there, uh, those were some pretty special times, especially at the latter end of your career. Um, talk to us about maybe a time or two that really stands out for you as you look back on that. Yeah, um, I would just say like uh, two memories um, really stand out. One, just to 
try to be able to create a culture um, with the tennis program there where it's like, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe uh, our freshman year, we finished fourth in the OAC, then we finished third, then we finished second. And then I think it was our senior year that we thing. Um, and it was at Otterbein, obviously the rival. So that was always nice to win the whole thing there. But it was just neat to see the culture grow from the tennis program um, and to be able to um, actually win a championship at a Division three level. And it was the year um, after we graduated, I believe, is when um, they changed the NCAA format of um, conference champions get uh, a bid into the NCAA tournament. So that was unfortunate, but it was just neat to experience that. Um, and then just to be able to do it with, with the teammates, um, a really good friend of mine is Matt Rutherford, and um, he had just as much success, if not more, um, than I did. Um, but we were able to, as a doubles team, um, and then individually, um, and this was our junior year, um, we were able to do really well at the Rolex. Um, it was kind of like a Midwest tournament. Um, we ended up winning the doubles one, and it was at DePaul in Greencastle. And then we ended up playing each other in the final. Um, and so just um, he and I, um, I was just talking with him yesterday, and he's got three kids living in Lewis Center and coaching um, a local boys um, high school team, Olentangy Orange. Um, and he actually teaches at Wicker Tree uh, a little bit as well. So we stay in contact all the time. Um, and it's just fun to think back and we still, when we get together, we just think of those high school memories of the Rolex tournament or of the conference tournament. And, um, uh, as well as we stay in contact with our coach, Scott Welsh, um, and you was, uh, about once a year, um, to go to Tommy's pizza in, I think it's upper Arlington. And all we would do would be talking capital stories. And as you say, go back memory lane. It's just some of our fondest times during that time period. Um, we're at Capitol. If it's the the bus rides or um, the matches, um, it's just it's just fun. I can really look back as a forty year old and know that uh, during college it was just so much fun. But you kind of buried the lead there, Doug. I mean, you got two eventual All Americans facing off against one another at the end of that tournament. Who won? Um, Matt actually did. Um, and it was a, a tiebreaker. Um, so it got to six, six and then, um, uh, he ended up winning the tiebreaker and then I ended up, um, retiring. So, um, it was just, it was a fun experience and, um, yeah, with Matt and his success, that was our junior year when we played each other. Um, and it was just fun cause it was kind of like an iron sharpening iron. Um, I don't know, just season in our lives because he ended up, um, really succeeding the, our, our senior year because I had played number one um, all through freshman and junior year. And then senior year of that tournament, he ended up winning it. And then um, he actually ended up uh, doing really well his senior year, uh, being All-American. And then he actually um, tried the professional scene. And um, I know he traveled to France and other places and um, has a uh, doubles direct win over Gail Monfils. I don't know if you know him or not, but um, he is on the pro tour. And um, um, yeah, I know Matt would like to have done more, but he just had a great, great time after college. Um, I actually ended up um, having surgery on my ankle after college. Um, and it was actually a blessing in disguise because I ended up, instead of um, traveling to play, um, I ended up becoming the manager at Wicker Tree Tennis Club, where I am currently the junior director, but um, I ended up staying in Columbus, not traveling. And, um, 
that's just been my, that Wicked Tree Tennis Club has just been our home. And so um, became the manager there and did that for a little bit. Um, and fast forward now to where I'm still involved there and just we have a great team and now actually trying to grow the junior program, grow Columbus Tennis. Um, and also Matt and I, um, after college for the last, I think this was going to be our seventh year if we end up having it this summer, we're able to put a program together um, at Olin Tangy Orange High School where he's the school teacher and the boys um, high school coach. And it's for the Olin Tangy area. Um, year one, we started with about 60 kids. Um, and last year we had over 200. Um, and so we're just trying to um, grow the program, grow tennis, um, always push kids to the to the capital um, college if, if they're good enough. These are for some beginners and some advanced. Um, but it's just been fun because I feel like the tennis community within Columbus is pretty small and everybody knows everybody. So for us to be able to, to pay it forward, um, it's just been a total God thing. We've been really blessed to do this. Uh, it so- certainly sounds like you're doing big things now, and, and you certainly did big things back when you were in college, taking a, a step back again. You know, you in your senior year came back and, and you went on to become an All-American on the double mm-hmm. circuit. You talked a lot about your partner there, Matt Rutherford, but I guess talk to us just about what it's like to be crowned a champion. I mean, you were also a two-time doubles and singles mm-hmm. champion in back-to-back years. So just that whole being... That, that whole being crowned a champion and all American, what does that feel like? Um, I think it's, it's actually more about the journey. I feel like um, uh, in my opinion, like a lot of kids nowadays, it's like we have participation awards and we have like, um, I mean, like my son this morning, he's like, I want to be the leader. I want to be the leader. And it's just like, I really try to stress. It's like, it's about the process. And I think it's like being an all American winning all these championships were like, they were fun and it's just like, I'll always remember them, but more than anything, it's like, I think I remember the process. And I think that's something that like with this, with this generation, it's like trying to teach um, college athletics and younger high school and, and kids, my son's age of, it's like, you don't give up, you got to work hard and it's not just going to happen. And it's like, I can remember um, like waking up early before school and hitting at Wicker Tree Tennis Club. I can remember running the halls of DeSales. I can remember Matt and Scott and I doing um, doing things all the time. I can remember my coach, um, Scott, putting me in a sauna at Wicker Tree to get ready for the California Heat when we went um, to play in the NCAA tournament. And it was funny because it's like I ended up playing the eventual national champion, which we didn't know at the time, but I lost 6-3, 6-3 in the first round and didn't play that great, was a little bit overwhelmed, was eye-opening, flew all that way, parents flew, and after I lost, I'm like, I'm ready to go, and I think we stayed maybe for one more day, and then we came home, and I was ready to train again, and then we just kept following him, and the dude ended up winning the singles and doubles title that year, but um, I can just remember the things that we did to get to becoming an All-American, to becoming... Um, to having those accolades that Matt and I did. Um, It's just a lot about like, are you willing to put in the time? And it's like, I think of tennis and I think of like, you watch like Nadal or Federer and it's like, where do they come up with these shots? And it's like, people just don't understand or don't see how many countless hours they put in. Um, And so it's just like, I would say, like, I really enjoy the process of lifting, of running and um, just making stuff up. That would be fun. Like, 
running up um, a hill backwards or bear crawling and just like it hurts. It's not fun. But then when you're an All-American and you can look back, like nobody can take that away from you. It, it was just the process and that was just the icing on the cake. This is Doug Rosario, All-American of the Capital Men's Lacrosse Team, class of 2001. And, you know, Doug, you talk about the process and all of these cool things that have helped you uh, lead yourself to success, but you're also doing that in one of your other big projects in life, and that's with the Buddy Up Tennis Program and, and being able to, to serve a, a community of people that otherwise maybe 10 years ago didn't have an opportunity to play tennis. Tell us about Buddy Up and what you're doing with them. Yeah, thank you. Um, so about 11 years ago, while I was working at Wicker Tree Tennis Club, um, there was a lady, her name is Beth Gibson, um, and she had a son with Down syndrome um, and just cute as a button, um, and just, um, just loved the whole family. They had an older brother, Keegan. Um, and as they would walk in, he would be walking in and, um, let's go take him and do something tennis with him. And so there was a, a girl who worked at the front desk. Her name was Stephanie Anderson. And so she and I ended up taking Will, who was three years old at the time. Um, we went up and took Will down on the court and we blew bubbles and we actually have it on video. Um, and, um, no joke, literally we did this for 10 minutes and then we walked back up. I went onto the internet and I said, how do you teach tennis to down syndrome kids? And I like, there's nothing out there on the web. And so I'm like, talk to the mom, Beth. And I'm like, we got to start something. And so, um, through all of us, um, we ended up putting a program together at Wicker Tree, um, and had, uh, like 15, 20 kids at first clinic about 11 years ago. And you fast forward now, and in essence, we've copied and pasted and we have 25 locations across the United States. Um, and they are tennis oriented. Um, they're also now fitness oriented. And also it's kind of like a buddy up for life. And we're truly trying to change the world with adaptive tennis. We were honored and blessed to actually last year be, um, at the U.S. Open um, and center court for about five minutes. And you had a lot of the pros, just Roger Federer and Nadal um, on the big screen saying, welcome, buddy, up tennis. And we've just taken this one little idea and what, like, just Beth Gibson and the board of directors and the staff and the people behind the scene, there's coordinators, there's buddies. It is just it's truly amazing. And, um, the clinic happens three out of four Saturdays, not right now. Um, we're actually trying to do some virtual tennis right now. Um, but, um, it happens at Wicker Tree Tennis Club, um, and all the other sites across the United States. And, um, we have coaches and we have coordinators and we have buddies and we put them through a boot camp. and, um, yeah, we just try to, um, do similar drills every week. There's fitness exercises, um, like coordination, balance, agility, speed and strength and then we do tennis as well and there's a curriculum um, and we've really partnered with a lot with like usta um and so it's just been a great opportunity and um we're just hoping to hit all 50 states and keep changing the world and just praise the lord for it well you 
definitely hit Capitol's campus last year when we hosted you in the, in the Buddy Up Clinic at the Capitol Center, and it was certainly uh, an impactful and a very impressive clinic that you guys put on, and uh, we were certainly glad to have you there. But how would somebody that's either interested in getting involved or someone that wants to learn more about Buddy Up, how would they go about doing that? What's the website? Or, uh, um, just go to Buddy Up Tennis um, online. Um, when you Google that, that'll take you to the web page. You can um, like us on Facebook as well um, and social media. But if you go to that website um, and if you wanted to participate, um, it, it says like where you can join and become a buddy. Um, and we'd love to have you guys because it's growing and we're just impacting lives. And that would be great. Excellent. Well, if you get an opportunity to do that, it's certainly a worthwhile cause. And it was a pleasure having you guys there last year. And uh, you get, I think you guys taxed our athletes that were participating just as much as you taxed your own athletes. Uh, yes, that it. was fun that. with all the um, teams there and inside the building um, with Capital and the Subaru. Yeah. That was just uh, that was an amazing event. Um, a lot of good things were from that. Now, do you still get to play at all, or are you just now? You know, um, I have the opportunity to play, but actually I don't have that desire. I love um, – um, just teaching more than anything. I love to see the kids that I teach with um, locally here um, be able to reach their goals. And um, with a four-year-old, got them in the garage. We got a, a make-believe net, so to say, and we're hitting back and forth. So, no, um, I think my time of playing is done. Love the exercise, but love just pouring into other people and seeing if they can uh, hopefully become future All-Americans and student-athletes at uh, Capitol. That would be great. We'll certainly take any that you can pass on. And so if you were going to give that potential student athlete or even one that's hurt here currently uh, a piece of advice that maybe carried you through your college years, what would that advice um, be? Just like with my job right now, um, like after college, it's like find something that you love to do. I feel like I don't have to work. Um, if you love what you do, you don't have to work a day of your life. Um, there are certain things, but it's not a dredge. And it's just like I never – want people to be in like the the rat race the nine to five and like just dreading doing that and it's just like find something you love to do and then get after it ask people that know more than you ask advice and be humble um and i think that's a good uh foundation um to get you started um and capital was able to do that with the teachers that they that were there um and just the student body um where it kind of like we say um it takes a village and so um get your team around you and um yeah two great things well capital certainly is a village and we're certainly glad that you called that village your home for four years and continue to stay connected with us uh over the course of your life so this is doug de rosario class of 2001 representative from men's tennis on our alumni spotlight doug thanks for joining us and please stay safe and enjoy that family uh, thank time you so much there. and uh, god bless everybody take care We've reached the halfway point in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Now's your chance to hit pause and head to the locker room if you need a huff. Just don't sub us out. If you're going to do any kind of subbing, make sure that you subscribe to the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast on whichever app you're listening to so you never miss an episode. And leave us a comment and a rating while you're at it. Please and thank you. It's now time for a second half action of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast.
Welcome to today's feature piece on this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders as we start the second half of the podcast. Today we're looking at what has become sort of a waning art form in college athletics, and that is the two-sport athlete. We're sticking with our lucky number two today because in the second half of our second episode, we have not one, but two capital two-sport athletes. And that sounds just enough to make your head spin right there. But we're joined today by Perry Furness and the Capital Volleyball and Softball teams and John Kirk, who plays football and throws on the track and field team. So thanks for joining us, Perry and John. And you know, being a two-sport athlete, uh, it used to be commonplace anytime prior to the 1970s and 80s. And over time, you just don't see that anymore. And so I guess our first question is, to what your thoughts as to why that may be? Um, just from personal experience, I um, I struggled a lot with finding travel teams that I could play in school sports and um, play in club. And so you really just have to find coaches that are willing to like help you with practice times going straight from school sports to your club sports. And that's just – it's so much work with school work that it's just – each sport becomes more and more demanding every year. And I think that it's just getting too much. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, see, at my uh, middle school, we didn't really have a lot of students doing two sports or doing two sports. And so I decided my eighth grade year, I was like, you know, I play football. I'm going to try wrestling. And so I did wrestling then. And I figured out that, like, it's a lot difficult. It's a lot more difficult than normal one sport. Because you have to, you're still practicing for the other sport while you're still doing that one sport. You're trying to keep your grades up, which is a lot more difficult because you're like, you won't have the time to be able to relax and take mental breaks and stuff. So I feel like, I feel like now a lot of uh, students are just doing one sport because it's a lot more of a mental type aspect of it instead of it being just, oh, it's just two sports and class isn't as hard. So it sounds like it's not for lack of desire to be a two or multi-sport athlete. It more is the landscape of just the way sports are being played now at the youth level. Is that is that how you see it? Yeah, I see. I mean, travel teams start younger and younger. They ask more and more of you. So it's just, it's really, I think it all starts with travel ball. Yeah. For uh, football, it was uh, we started pretty young. There was like little leagues and stuff, and that's when people could start. I didn't start then, but been then in little league because I know multiple friends of mine who started little leagues. There was a lot, a lot higher demand of what they needed to do and like the practice days and stuff. They didn't get breaks. So uh, you're talking to the parent of a eight year old travel ball <laughs> baseball player. So I totally understand all of that. It's mind blowing. <laughs> to think that uh, it starts that young, but that's the landscape that we live in right now. So uh, for both of you, um, you know, Perry, you play volleyball and softball at Capitol. Uh, we'll start with you. Um, which of these two sports that you participate in was your first love and, and were there others along the way? My first love was softball just because I, I started it so young and my dad was my coach all my life. So that was, it was really cool for me to be with him all the time. And I didn't start playing volleyball until I was, like, in the seventh grade. Um, and there was basketball. As soon as I started playing basketball, I was in love. And that was my, that was my love all through, all through high school. All right, John, same question for you. Uh, which one is your passion sport, and what others have you played along the way? 
So my passion sport was football. I started that in seventh grade. Um, I've played baseball for 10 seasons when I was, I turned five. So I played for 10 seasons after that. And that was my very first love. And then I kind of grew away from it once I played the physical contact. And then I ended up loving uh, football a lot more. Then I loved wrestling until I got injured both seasons I've done it. Ended up having to stop doing that. And then I went to track and field my sophomore year of high school. Ended up loving that. And it's kind of been like, it's not really a first love for both. It's kind of, I love them equal. They both help me with the aspect of staying constant activity. So, Okay, play no favorites. I like yeah. that. So, uh, so to both of you, um, what's the advantage of playing two sports in a single season? I think the advantage, especially for me, is like I've always played like multiple sports in the same season. And so it's just like, I get to do what I love all the time and it's like it's just so much more fun for me. I make I have like all my both my teams are my best friends and I get to be with them constantly and that's just keeping me busy. Yeah, I I agree with her with that. Um for me it was like the advantage of it kept me constant with the coaches were always on me about having to keep my grades up, making sure my grades were good. And then the physical activity, it's just, it's kind of boring when you're not doing a sport. Like right now we have this uh, pandemic going on. Everybody's just like not being able to do their sport right now. It's just, I'm so like stressed because I'm not doing any sports. So it's like, ah. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely weird. (laughs) Which is really ironic because you would think that being a two sport athlete, having something constantly going on would be the stressor. But it sounds like that now with nothing going on, you're more stressed now than ever. Yeah, I definitely don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) Same. I'm just sitting in my room like... I got to type up this eight paragraph or not eight paragraph, eight page essay. And I'm like, man, well, but we'll, we'll see. This is part of the whole keeping you busy thing, doing a podcast like this. Yeah, so, there we go. Uh, so yeah. Again, this is uh, Perry Furness of the volleyball and softball teams and John Kirk of the football and track and field teams at Capital University. Uh, to both of you, um, how different are the training regimens for the sports that you play? Um, for volleyball, it's a lot. I'm a defensive specialist, so it's a lot of like being low, using a lot of your like quads and hamstrings, like pushing off. While as um, softball, my main thing is right now as a base runner and so speed 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 it's all we ever do for me um and just the yeah just the different muscles and I think that that's really healthy to make sure that I'm working out my whole body yeah for um for me it's they're they're a lot different in the aspects of like lifting and strength and muscle wise but then there's also some like comparison like with football I'm an offensive lineman so I have to stay down and engage my core a lot and during track and field when I'm throwing most of where our throw comes from it comes from our core and our hips and so we use that a lot but then the power aspect for both of them with track we don't want a lot of power when we're lifting that's more football thing they want us to engage a lot of explosion and a lot of power so it's a lot different in the aspect of the lifting programs. So it sounds like that by doing these different training regimens, that one does strengthen, uh, one sport training does strengthen you for the other. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. I, think, I think it's a lot healthier too, just to make sure you're not over, like overworking the same muscles. Yeah.
Well, that then that's a good thing to tell the young athletes too that you know participating in sport also even if you're not training for them certainly works out other muscle sets as well. Uh, for both of you, you know, you're this is interesting because you both are coming at the ends of your first year here at Capital. Um, did you know coming into um, Capital that you would be attempting the two sport athlete lifestyle or is that something that only once you got your feet wet and you got into capital that you wanted to get into I knew before I even looked at any colleges that I wanted to play volleyball and softball so I I talked to all the coaches at every school I looked at and if they wouldn't let me play both I stopped looking there <laughs> yeah for me it was it was I knew I wanted to do two sports but I didn't know I was going to do two sports here until the track coach talked to me like maybe two weeks before I committed. So when I committed, I signed for both football and track and field. So Excellent. Now, now is there for John, I think this might be an easier question for you, but Perry, what would you consider your primary sport? And was that coach of that sport supportive of you playing in the second sport? Oh, I, can't, I can't pick one. I love them both so much. And um, I guess my primary sport is just whatever season I'm in. It's my complete focus. Um, but I did have a challenge with changing softball coaches this year because I talked to Nan Payne about um, playing both, and she was extremely supportive of it. So when I heard that we were getting a new coach, I was really scared that she was not going to like allow me to do that and I'd have to pick one. Um, but coach hub is extremely supportive and she's really, really helpful and always talks to, um, coach Nagy about me and making sure that I'm doing good. So it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, for me, it was, I was just going to come here and play football and possibly do track. It just all depends. And the coaches were like very, they were like, yeah, we'll, We'll be able to understand where you're coming from. We'll be able to cooperate and everything. I was like, okay, that's good. They have my back. They're there to support me throughout it all. And they're still supporting me throughout it all. They're making sure that I'm – the football coaches, when I'm during track scene, they're, all, they're always like, okay, well, let's make sure your grades are still up. Let's make sure you're still doing your football stuff. And track was always like, well, let's make sure you're still doing your core while we're not in classes and stuff during the summer and all that. So – they're always very supportive and stuff like that. So, all right, and John, you um, you find yourself in a really interesting spot too because with football, you know that's clearly a team sport, uh, but you also throw on the track and field team, and, and throwing would be considered an individual uh, activity or event. How does your mindset change between the two, and and how do you assess your progress and goals between those two sports, considering that? So with football being a team sport, you know, I love my guys up on the team. They're always there for me. They're supportive. They always have my back if something's going wrong. They're always there to help me throughout the, like, game and stuff if there's something I need work on and practices and stuff. And then when I go into track, you can see some of the teammate aspect from the other throwers. They're there for you. Like, I know you guys know Josh Miller, national uh, thrower and stuff. He um, he was there to help me this year, get better on my technique and stuff. But for me, my goals, like during football, our goals were the same thing. We all wanted to do our best the same exact areas. For track, it's, you have your own personal goal. Like some meets I had, I wanted to make sure I had proper technique before distance. 
there was another meet where I was like, you know what, I'm going out here and I'm going to do my proper technique and I'm going to show off and throw my best. So the, the like aspect of the mindset change for both is there's always going to be the teammates like aspect in both of them, because with the track team, we were still a big family just as a football was, but we were in different individual areas. Good. So, and Perry, you are, you know, you're a defensive specialist on the volleyball court. Um, you play outfield and you specialize in base running on the softball field. Kind of the same question. You know, how does your mindset change between the two seasons and your role on the team? Um, it's really helpful to me that the, the sports are complete different seasons because I get all summer. I just focus on volleyball and like I'll do some hitting and running and stuff, but I, my main focus is volleyball and getting prepared for that. And then in the winter, I get to really focus on softball. So it's, it, I have a lot of time to practice, but you never stop practicing one of the sports during the other seasons. I'm always at home doing passing or I'm hitting in balls in the garage. And it's really just, if you kind of have, I, for me, it helps me if I'm constantly focusing on both. Like it, that's how it was in high school, and it just it, I just carried the same thing on to um, college. This is Perry Furness of the volleyball and softball team and John Kirk of the football and track and field teams as we keep on going forward here in our feature piece, examining the art of the two-sport athletes. And, uh, you know, Perry, um, I kind of heard you say that, you know, basketball was a passion sport of yours. And right now, you know, you did say that you practiced a lot, but the winter, it's still kind of open. Any thought on being a three-sport I don't athlete? know about three-sport. That's, that's a lot. I, I think I have my plate full with uh, softball and volleyball. Uh, John, uh, springtime, you never know. Can, uh, you, can you swing a golf club or something like that and pick up a third sport? Um, if I would, if I had the time to be able to do baseball, I would definitely do baseball. But because the, the times overlap with like meets and practices and stuff, I wouldn't be able to. But I would love to, though. <laughs> you know, you mentioned overlap. And that's an interesting part of this, too, is that even though um, Perry, your your seasons don't really overlap, your training for them kind of does. So how do you combat um, training and participating in one sport while the other one is doing their own training regimen? There has to be some way that you can, um, you know, combat the training that you're missing out on as well as the social aspect with those teammates that are out of season. Yeah, I really, I do really, really miss that I uh, can't go to my spring and fall seasons of the opposite sports. And um, especially with the new softball coach this year, um, I was really, really worried about that. But, you know, like I, my, so my volleyball girls, while I was in softball season, talked to me constantly. I'm still in the group messages. I'm still in the loop. Um, and the softball girls, the same thing. But I really, it's really hard to focus, like, volleyball, you have games almost every night when you start in October, and, and softball, they're, they're practicing all the time, so really, it's, it's personally, it's your own job to keep yourself in the other sport while you're in, while you're in the other one, so in volleyball season, I really had to focus on, like, personally, do my own things, like, hitting, I went to a hitting instructor, um, on Sundays when I had my days off and it's just, you got to take that job and that responsibility on yourself. And John, same question for you. Your sports seasons 
somewhat do overlap as far as the training is concerned. By the time that you're wrapping up football season, uh, track and field is probably well underway. So how do you make that transition and make up for some of the lost time that you may not have uh, considering the overlap? So I was told by the trainer, Matt, that once we finish football season, we have to wait two weeks and let our body rest and recover to go into the sport. Well, most of the whole, most of the football season, I had concussions. I suffered two concussions this year. Um, one was very early, was out for a month, and then the one, the second one was during Otterbein week, and I was out for the rest of the season. Um, he told me the day that we ended our football practice, he said, yeah, you can go ahead and practice for track and stuff because your body's been recovering. I was already cleared from, the, from uh, Dr. Janesco, our uh, doctor there. He was okay with me practicing track and stuff, but he didn't want me to, like, take anything too far. And so by the time I do come back into the track season from football, they've already done maybe one or two indoor meets already. And I feel, like, left behind because I'm not so far ahead in training as them. But throughout the season, I progressed and I got kind of farther than some of them and some of the training and the technical aspect of, like, the technique and stuff like that, so. Well, and the good thing is for you, John, that there is an outdoor season, maybe not this year, but next year there will hopefully be an outdoor season and your season can go uh, well into the springtime. So uh, I guess also a, a question for both of you, uh, what is the most serious challenge that being a two-sport athlete presents you? For me, the biggest challenge was um was it was the switching and then just the making sure that I'm keeping my body rested, and because you you go all semester for both seasons, like the only break you get is in the summer and the winter, so it's balancing, you know, being rested and balancing switching over to a sport completely. Yeah, for me, it was it, – I wouldn't really say it was the change from one sport to the other that was really difficult. It was more the aspect of changing my mindset and then keeping my grades up. So, I'm like, we don't, we don't stop our practices for football. Like, once – like, we already got our uh, football programming for April and stuff for, like, lifting and stuff, and then we already got our summer workouts and stuff, so – during the summer, we don't get any time to rest. We just work, work out, run, and stuff a lot. So, okay. Now, if you were talking to a prospective student athlete, or maybe even somebody that was just considering the two sport athlete lifestyle, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you can? My give biggest that piece of advice is, if you love it, do it, because there's always going to be a college that you can find that you're going to be able to play two sports at. There's going to be coaches that are going to let you, and there's a college for everyone. So you just do what you love and and you'll figure it out. For me, my uh, biggest piece of advice would be don't quit once you start it. Do not quit because once you quit, you're going to – I wouldn't say you're going to hate yourself because hate is a strong word, but you're going to dislike what you've done. You've put in all the time and effort to make sure your grades were up and stay doing the sports that you love and then just for you to quit one because you couldn't keep doing it. Keep pushing yourself. Keep going as hard as you can. If you have to pull an all-nighter to do an essay, do it. Because you know what? You're going to end up loving the results in the end. 
So don't quit. Excellent. So we're going to end this on a, on a little bit of a light note. So I have to imagine that there are different, um, maybe different cultures between the two sports that you guys play, uh, different personalities. So in this time where we're all doing digital um, socialization, what are the, if your sports were to do a Netflix watch party, would they be watching the same movie or maybe what movies would do you think that your uh, teammates would be watching in sport? <laughs> That's a funny question because the volleyball team and softball team are very, very different. I love them both to death, but they're very different. For volleyball, I assume that we would be watching a rom-com or something, something light and fun. And then for softball, we would probably be watching something like The Office where it's just complete humor. Yeah, for me, it would we I guess the track team, we are the throwers, we all had a night where we watched a movie. And it was kind of like a thriller. It was kind of like it was suspenseful and stuff. So we could all watch that, but then we all loved the joke around, so we would watch a comedy. And then with football, it would either be like a horror or it would be like comedy because we either joke around a lot or we make fun of each other. So it's kind of like uh one of the two, so can't really tell until it happens. I'm surprised that any given Sunday wasn't on the list now that Netflix threw it on there. But uh, <laughs> it's interesting to see the different personalities shine through between your teams and, and even for you, John, between the different events and the groups that are there. So, uh, But we hope that you're watching all the Netflix <laughs> you can right now. Uh, certainly appreciate you sharing your two-sport athlete life with us. And thanks for joining us here on this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. This has been Perry Furness of Volleyball and Softball and John Kirk of Football and Track and Field. And welcome to this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders Senior Spotlight. And this time we go to the other diamond and we're going to talk with Capital Senior Bo Otto and Bo First and foremost, uh, an unfortunate end to everybody's spring season and senior season. It's been a time of adjustments and learning what we call the new normal. So tell us, uh, you know, how are you doing and, and what's the adjustment period like, been like for you? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, it was, it was a shock. Uh, I mean, most of us kind of saw it coming when we saw other, uh, you know, D1 leagues shut down either tournaments or the whole season. Um, so it was, we all kind of felt like it was inevitable. Um, but it's still, I mean, it was a bummer. I, I tried to take the approach that, you know, there's nothing I could do to change it. So there's no reason to feel too sad about it. Um, I was happy with my career. I wish I could have continued a little bit longer, but, you know, um, adjusting to, I guess, uh, doing school without baseball has been, uh, a weird adjustment, you know, just being a student, no longer being a student athlete. Um, so it's just really trying to focus in on school and get all my assignments done and uh virtually it's a little bit difficult trying to keep a schedule but it's it's been a good time um and you know I'm trying to still stay somewhat active I've been resting mainly since the season's over uh just because my body's always in pain but it's been a it, it's been pretty easy going for the most part um still trying to figure out the whole online class thing but other than that it's been pretty good Amazing. Technology is supposed to make things simpler, is it not? Yeah, exactly. I guess uh, <laughs> when you don't use it, it's uh, 
not too much simpler. <laughs> well, hopefully you get that back on track there and uh, finish strong in your studies. But uh, before we go forward, let's go back to the beginning and just talk about how you got into baseball. Most people start when they're a kid. And, you know, so take us back to that time where you got into the game and when you realized that this was really something that you wanted to take seriously. Yeah, so uh, my dad played ball growing up and he played in uh, high school and he had uh, the opportunity to play basketball and baseball at Thomas More, but it was uh, since they were division three, they didn't have scholarship money, so he didn't end up going there. But he played in a uh, tri-state league, which was a bunch of former draft picks and and college players. Um, So it was a good league. So he played a long time and he loved baseball. Um, So naturally when I was when he had a son, he wanted them to play baseball. He wanted them to me he wanted me to play all sports, but uh, we played wiffle ball in the backyard all the time, and uh, that was where it really started. And then I, you know, played t-ball obviously. So I'd say about like four or five was when I mean, and when I played started playing t-ball, I knew I wanted to play baseball for as long as I could. It was my favorite sport. It was the first sport that I ever played on a team. Um, so it was it was a really young age that I fell in love with baseball and I I don't know exactly why it was that I fell in love with it but uh there was just something about it and I don't know if it had to do with the you know connection with my dad going out in the backyard hitting wiffle balls or going to the batting cage and hitting with him that made me love it even more but yeah it was really early age that I fell in love with it and so you go along your career, it's obviously going really well. And at what point in time does it kind of click for you that, that says, you know, hey, I want to do this after high school. I want to see how long I can take this. I knew uh, probably around the time, uh, it's probably been like third or fourth grade that I was, you know, my goal became to be a college baseball player. Um, I played on a team with my best friend's dad as a coach and uh he he really pushed us hard and he you know he worked with me all the time I would be hitting for probably three or four hours uh every other day or you know and uh it was it was pretty young it was like third or fourth grade that I really realized that I wanted to play as long as I could now you said that your dad was pretty you know uh he told you that you wanted he wanted you to play a lot of different sports. So what other sports did you play while you were growing up? I played basketball, soccer. Uh, I was in a little like golf league that we had up here. Um, and I played some tennis, not super competitively. Uh, and then ultimate Frisbee, I played from about seventh grade through senior year of high school. Which totally is a sport, yeah. by the way. yeah. It's, uh, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily really consider it a sport, but it is a lot of running. <laughs> <laughs> a great conditioning method anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so if not baseball, of all those that you mentioned, was there another one that you would have tried to pursue or maybe one that you were pretty well skilled at and maybe could have? Um, I would say probably basketball. I played basketball through freshman year of high school. Um, the school, the grade school I went to was really, really small. And uh, for like, I think eight games one year, we only had five kids because uh, one of them was hurt. But we only, I think the largest team we played on was like seven kids. Um, so I played a ton. I wouldn't say I was extremely gifted at basketball. Uh, I was just really athletic and 
could take the ball away and I played hard every single second. Uh, but I couldn't make a layup to save my life. So, um, <laughs> and I, I never really put in the work for basketball. I enjoyed it. And then when I played freshman year, I was probably like five one, and I was playing the four. Um, so I was way overmatched, way out of position. But I just I came in and I forgot how to dribble a ball, so they couldn't put me at guard, and I didn't didn't shoot well enough. And I just played really physical. Um, so after that, it was I kind of saw the writing on the wall that I wasn't really a basketball player. I still enjoyed it. I still you know play pickup here and here and again. Um, but that would have been the only other sport that I really could have seen myself playing a little bit longer. Sounds like baseball was the right call then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is Bo Otto, senior on the Capitol baseball team. And, and Bo, you obviously made Capitol your home. And can you tell us uh, why that it was Capitol that stood out among the rest? Yeah. So um, originally I was committed to Marietta. Uh, I went there and I enjoyed my visit, um, but I realized I was only going there for baseball purposes um and the coach the capital had a coach at the time who was also a recruiting coordinator that was a buddy of my high school pitching coach and he told me he should he said you should just take a visit to capital if you don't like it oh well you know at least you know that you didn't you know you know you want to go to marietta when i came to capital i just enjoyed it way more and if you know if i had a season or career ending injury um, I would have enjoyed my time at Capitol more than I would have at Marietta. And I, you know, talking to the coaches at Capitol, um, you know, I, I always wanted to be a shortstop. That's what I wanted to be. And they were recruiting me as a shortstop where most other schools were recruiting me as a utility player, which probably meant I was going to play outfield, which I was not very good at. Um, but I just really enjoyed everything about Capitol. It, it just, it felt like home, away from home. And uh, I was pretty content with the, uh, living there and you know I thought the campus was gorgeous I came on a in a spring when things were starting to uh bud and it was just a gorgeous campus so I really enjoyed it well tell us about a uh, a memory that maybe you can share or uh, whether it's you know baseball related or not that you know it's going to sit with you for a while uh whew, there's a lot of them um I'd say the memory that stands out the most would have been uh, my sophomore year when we were playing Mountain Union and we walked off on them in extra innings because um, that was a that was a rough year for me. I didn't have a great sophomore season. Uh, I had an injury that I didn't know exactly what it was and uh, I was just frustrated all the time. But that was a really fun, uh, fun time. And I believe that was on senior night. Um, and it was just it was a fun game, you know. I it, the more baseball I could play, the better. You know, it was so much fun to play. I think it was like eleven innings or something, um, and uh, that was just a really fun experience walking off on somebody, especially that season because we got walked off on a lot. And if I remember right, that was a day where you guys were playing almost well into the night. Yeah, like, it was almost a time where you know there, there wasn't a scene of baseball. Yeah, there. no, there. If that game had gone another inning, it probably would have been called. Um, because it was already re pretty dark uh, when we walked off, so yeah, that was a that was probably one of the latest games I've ever played. Well, tell them to fire it up like the Sandlot and throw some fireworks in the air, turn on the headlights on the cars. We could play all. Yeah, day. exactly, exactly. 
<laughs> All right. So tell us, Bo, what it is that here in the back stretch of your academic career that you're doing. Uh, what are you studying and what will you be graduating with uh, in pursuit of a career? Yeah, I, uh, I chose to study financial economics because I was I was actually split um, on being an economics major or a finance major. And I came to Capital and told them that. And they said, well, we have this major financial economics. I was like, oh, well, that's perfect. I want to eventually be a financial advisor or a wealth manager. So uh, I picked up a minor that I wasn't able to finish because of class scheduling. Um, so I'll be one class away from it. But I have uh, plenty of knowledge in it. It was accounting. Um, so I, I probably going to start out working somewhere where it's a little bit more accounting based. Um, I'm looking at working for JP Morgan. I have uh, a contact within JP Morgan. So I, I need to get an interview with them, schedule an interview with them. Um, but eventually the end goal is to be either a wealth manager or a financial advisor. Yeah, sounds like whatever you do, you're going to be bringing home a, a nice paycheck, a nice stable paycheck. So when that does come in, what's the first thing that you are going to splurge on when you get that first big boy paycheck? First thing I'm going to splurge on, uh, it'll probably be a car that runs consistently because my car is just been in and out of the shop like crazy. Um, I had a whole new engine put into it. Uh, I had to get the camshaft replaced and, uh, then I had to have a whole major tune up on the new engine. So I just need, I need a car that I can, you know, rely on. That would probably be the first thing. Sounds like you're really loyal to this car. So if you're going to have to step away from uh, break your loyalty there, what are you looking at possibly getting yourself into? Uh, probably either a, a Honda or a Toyota. I want a like, small SUV like I have. I have a Hyundai Santa Fe currently, um, and I like having the small SUV. It was nice for baseball, being able to throw myself in the back and have plenty of space. Um, but I, still, I just enjoy driving the small SUVs. So it would probably be some kind of Honda or Toyota. I haven't really looked into too much of what they have, but I know they run well. And my dad used to, I used to drive my dad's old Toyota Celica that was older than me. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this is Bo Otto senior on the uh, capital ba uh, baseball team uh, coming in from Cincinnati. And we're going to throw a couple questions at you. Like you're on the Budweiser hot seat here. Uh, and since we were talking cars first, Bo, um, what is your dream car? My dream car that would probably be a old like Chevy SS. Um, it would just probably probably be some old muscle car. I don't really. I'm not a huge car guy, um, but I I have always really liked the old muscle or a Tesla. I really I would really like a Tesla. Okay, sounds good. Now if. Uh... What What is, I mean, clearly baseball has to be your favorite sport. So talk about a team or an athlete that is your favorite. Uh, ooh, um, at this point, I would say, well, the, the Cincinnati Reds are my favorite team. Um, obviously, I'm very loyal to anything that has Cincinnati across its chest. Uh, but favorite player, that one's a little bit more difficult because – I would probably say Francisco Lindor, even though he's a Cleveland guy, but he is just, he's incredible. And uh, the way he plays is 
so much fun to watch. He's probably my favorite baseball player. Good deal. So you're a Cincy fan. Is Aristides Aquino the real deal? I think he's a. Uh, well, I don't. If, if you're looking at the the stretch he had in his first two games, probably not. But I think he is a going to be a solid every day, or I guess in this lineup, a platoon outfielder. I think he's a, a very solid player. Um, but he's going to have some growing pains as soon as pitchers realize how his swing works. And, you know, with all the analytics in the game, it's much easier to figure out how to pitch a guy. Um, so I think he'll struggle a little bit, but I do think he is a real deal. Yeah. All right. So if you were to look at the uh, at Major League Baseball and uh, say that someone models your game or you model your game after a particular player, who's that player? This one was the easiest thing. This is what I always people always, uh, you know, said this is who I played like. It would be Pete Rose. Um, I always wanted to play like Pete Rose, just 100 percent all the time. And uh, that was, you know, I, I grew up watching highlights and old uh games that my dad had recorded uh and you know my dad grew up watching the big red machine so um he always told stories about pete rose and johnny bench and uh i just i love the way pete rose played and i thought he was incredible um because he really wasn't all that talented you know he he was a guy that you know got drafted on a you know a a kind of a deal because uh his I think it was his grandpa or his uncle or somebody knew somebody inside the Reds and they drafted him as like a favor. Um, and, you know, he took it and ran with it. And I thought that was, you know, the coolest thing. That absolutely is. So uh, going to go now since um, we're talking baseball, let's keep up with it. Uh, are you a DH fan or no DH fan? No DH. And I know it doesn't make the game, you know, it would make it better to see an actual hitter hitting but i i'm a very old school guy that i just i think uh no dh is the way to go i mean if they change it oh well it, it is what it is but i definitely prefer no dh i like seeing the pitchers hit and the you know because a lot of them especially on the reds pitching staff a lot of our pitchers can hit pretty well um and i always think it's pretty cool to to watch them hit home runs off another pitcher I grew up watching the uh, Atlanta Braves of the 90s, and that was probably one of the best yeah. hitting, pitching rotations yeah. I've ever seen, and I appreciate that as well. So I see where you're coming from. Um, best at-home training tactic for anybody that's looking to get better while in the offseason? Um, the big thing would just be uh, – so I, I go out, and if I'm working on hands for fielding and stuff, I'll just throw a ball against the wall and just work on funneling it up properly or getting it to the right spot. Um, so just, you know, I, I love anything that involves a wall, whether it be, you know, trying to hit a spot on the wall with a baseball or just working on hands. Um, there's so much you can do just flicking a ball off a wall. So uh, that would be my best at home training tactic. Have you ever, or would you consider becoming an umpire at any point in time? Uh, no, because I know I'd be terrible at it. Because uh, <laughs> I know I get very frustrated with the umpires because I feel like I know my zone very well. Um, but I know as an umpire, I'd be one of these guys that you know I'm always right. Uh, so I didn't think I would. I would be a very good umpire. It's uh, yeah, I respect them for what they do because it's not easy and then you have to listen to me whine and complain uh 
So it's really just not an easy job. So I, I would never do it. All right. And we're going to wrap up with uh, favorite baseball or favorite sports movie of all time. What is it for you? My favorite. Well, I guess. Hmm, favorite movie about like a major league team would be Moneyball. Um, I love Moneyball. I think it's a great movie. I love the uh, analytics behind it and how it changed the game. Uh, but my favorite movie of all time is also a baseball movie. It's The Sandlot, which is just a very easy and very, you know, cliche answer. But it is it's my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I love it so much. And I think it's you know, it's withstood the test of time. And it's just a, a, a phenomenal movie. I feel much better about making that Sandlot reference earlier in the interview. Then, so at least I know you got it. Yeah. So Excellent. Well, Bo, this has been great chatting with you, and I hope everybody out there has gotten to know you a little bit better. Uh, we wish that we could be seeing you play, but we're wishing you nothing but the best of success and safety as we move forward. And thanks yep, for joining thank us. Thank you. Uh, stay safe. All right. This is Absolutely. This has been Bo Otto, a senior for the Capital Baseball team out of Cincinnati, Ohio, wrapping up our second senior spotlight. And that is another episode of Forward Capital Crusaders in the books. We hope you've enjoyed it and will come back for more as we support the purple and white and those student athletes of our 20 teams. In next week's episode, we'll check in with head softball coach Andrea Nagy and then begin a special ROTC-themed episode. We'll learn about what it's like to be in the program with undergrad student athletes Emily Cooper and Wyatt Long, feature our lone senior ROTC student athlete Morgan Fadel, and then have a special treat with a call across the pond in our alumni spotlight. You'll have to tune in to see who our special guest will be. Before we ring the bell and head out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating if you like the show. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, and now on Apple Podcast. Until next time, Cap Fam, let's keep moving forward. Thanks for tuning in to Forward Capital Crusaders.